I'm going to be in Revelation chapter 21. If you will turn there with me in your Bibles, we're going to read from this scripture beginning with verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea existed no longer. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will exist no longer. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. You can be seated. When I was a little boy, I was fascinated with different kinds of bugs. I don't know, some of you may have kids that are fascinated with bugs. One of the things I did was I caught a caterpillar, and I put it in a jar with some leaves and a stick, and my caterpillar uh, made this cocoon uh, and ended up changing into a butterfly. And I was fascinated with that. What a transformation. An ugly worm turned into a beautiful butterfly. Did you know there is a change coming for the people of God? There's a change coming. And I believe that as God's people, we need to place our hope in the promises of God's Word and the hope that He's given us of this future time when everything will be as it should be. I think John wrote these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what we can expect to help us to understand that, first of all, that we want to be there, if you don't know Christ, to know that you need to put your faith in Christ so you can be a part of this, but also to encourage believers in the difficulties of life. Some of you may be going through difficulty in your life, maybe in relationships you have or financially or at work or uh, in some in some category of life, you find yourself in difficulty. Can I tell you, God has given us his word to bring encouragement to our hearts in times of difficulty. I believe that we as God's people need to put our trust in Jesus so that we can take advantage of this hope, uh, but also uh, we need to let this hope lift up our hearts so that we can follow God and walk through the times of difficulty, lifted up and buoyed by the fact that things will not always be as they are. The title of my message today is The Great Change. And I want you to see several things from this scripture that God says will change when we have this eternal state of existence. Now, just a little bit of recap, we went through the time of the thousand-year reign of Christ and uh, the release of the enemy and the fire falling from heaven to destroy uh, those who who, uh, encamp against Christ. 
there is a time uh, at the uh, end of the, all of that where there is a judgment of the lost uh, in the latter part of chapter 20. And now we find ourselves in chapter 21 in the eternal state. In other words, everything now is becoming as it will be for all of eternity. Okay? This is the eternal state. Uh, a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, and everything will be new. <laughs> um, what are these different things that will change? Well, first of all, there will be a change of location. A change of location. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now, there's been some debate among theologians. Will the earth just be re, uh, renovated or will it actually uh, be completely done away with and changed and there'll be a new earth. And I believe the answer to both of those things is yes. I believe the earth will be renovated during the time of the millennium uh, to be like it was during the time of the Garden of, e of Eden. And then I believe that there will be a new heaven and a new earth as Revelation 21 says. It says, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. So that's, that seems to be pretty clear to me. So, uh, this will be a change of location, okay? Now, I, I remember when I was in tech school at Chanute Air Force Base in Illinois, uh, and we marched, it was the wintertime, we marched uh, to class in the early morning, uh, cold, and it was just absolutely miserable. And my skin hurt from the wind. It was so cold, my skin hurt. Okay, some of you are saying, man up, dude. It's okay. But I, I, I just was longing for the time when I could move back south. And I, I made up my mind, I've got to move back south. And I remember when I left Chanute Air Force Base and I made my trek down to Texas. Instead of cold, dreary, overcast days, it was sunny and warm. I thought I died and gone to heaven. And then I moved to Tennessee, and it got even better. Four seasons, and they're all mild. And so, uh, praise God for that. A change of location. I want to tell you something. That, that, that change of location I made is, is a, a minor, really a minor thing in life. But I'm going to tell you, when we have this change of location, it is going to be unlike anything we've ever known. Now, there are a lot of beautiful things in this earth. God's let us see sunsets and sunrises, and uh, we've got the beautiful mountains and, and all of the, the beach. Uh, some of you have gone to the beach or are planning on going to the beach for spring break, or for spring break, fall break. I cannot get that right. Anyway, uh, all kinds of things that we see in God's creation that are beautiful, but we live in a cursed earth. This earth is not the way it used to be. There used to be a time, what we see are shadows of what once was. And when we get to the, the place where God creates this new earth, this new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem, it is going to be unlike anything we have ever experienced. It, there will be beauty like we've never experienced. Uh, creation will be like we've never experienced it. One of the things I've always hated when I've gone on picnics is flies. How many of you get irritated by flies? I mean, I hate them. And gnats, too. That's, uh, 
my kids always say, Dad, that's cheesy, but I say, Nat's irritating. And uh, anyway, uh, some of you will get that in a little bit. Anyway, uh, the Bible says there will be a change of location. A change of location. And we'll enjoy God's creation as never before. So that's the first change. I want you to also see not only a change of location, but there will be a change of morality. A change of morality. If you look at verse 2, it says, I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. This is a holy city. What does the word holy mean? It's set apart, distinct. It's a term that's used to describe God and his character. Now, I realize that Jerusalem is called the holy city, uh, but in this case, it will actually be the holy city as it has never been before. How do I know that? Because Revelation 21 says that there, there will be no sin that will enter there. Uh, it will be a place of perfect righteousness. You and I will have perfect righteousness. Those of us who placed our trust in Christ will ha- have glorified bodies, no sin nature. That old albatross that's been hung around our neck uh, for all of our lives, we could toss aside. Praise God, there will, we'll have a new body, and there will ne- not ever again be sin nature for us. Will that not be amazing? Not only that, but not only will we be able to be righteous, but everybody else will be righteous to us. Now, I hear, sometimes I hear people talk about uh, the time where we used to leave all of our doors unlocked and our cars unlocked and everything because you could trust people in those days more uh, than you can now. Can you imagine what it must be like to live in a place where everybody is always honest? Where everybody always does the right thing? Where people always keep their word? Where there is never any bad news of murders or rapes or any kind of wickedness that we hear about every single day of our lives as we live here on planet Earth? There will be a change of morality. Uh, a number of years ago, I came to Christ, put my faith in Jesus Christ, and there was a change that took place in my heart. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Something changed in my heart, and I had a new set of desires, a desire to please God. And I began a process of spiritual growth. Now, what I found in my life is when I follow God in obedience, I reap the blessings of that in my walk with God and in my life. When I disobey God, I reap the consequences of that in my life. But you know, there's not a one of us here that always obey God perfectly all the time. There's just nobody. Can you imagine what it must be like to experience the full blessings of righteousness? Life as God intended it to be. I don't even think I can completely wrap my mind around that. That is going to be incredible. We will begin to experience life as God designed and intended us to experience as at no other time. In history. 
because of righteousness. Now, some people bought the lie that righteousness is a negative thing, that wickedness is, hey, let's have a great time, let's do all these things and so forth and so on. That's the devil's lie because though there's pleasure in sin for a season, the Bible says that there's also time of consequence for sin. And that sin mars the relationship that we have with God. But when we have this change of morality in our lives, when we have this new body, we will begin to experience life to to the full, the abundant life as we never have before. This will be, I think, one of the greatest blessings of the eternal state. Being able to enjoy unhindered fellowship with God and the blessings of righteousness. So there will be a change of morality. We need to put our hope in that time of perfect righteousness which is coming. Then I want you to see, not only is there a change of location, a change of morality, but there's also a change in beauty. A change in beauty. He said in verse 2, he says, I saw the holy city... The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Jesus said to his disciples, Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, I've seen some beautiful artwork at times, and, and, and I've seen uh, different things. That, I'm not artistic. My brother and sister both are, but I, it, the gene passed me by. But I appreciate the beauty of, of art and what people do with art. But can I tell you something? The artwork of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be unlike any we've ever seen. <laughs> He's gone to prepare a place for us. The scripture talks about the Jerusalem that is in heaven. Hebrews talks about that. The Jerusalem that is in heaven. The Jerusalem that is above. Uh, Because what happened in the earthly Jerusalem is a picture. The temple, the sacrificial system and all of that is a picture of what happens in the heavenly Jerusalem. Jesus took his blood to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the heavenly altar, to pay the price once for all for you and for me. But what the Bible says is that this new Jerusalem which Jesus is preparing for us will descend out of heaven from God to earth. So that All heaven breaks loose on earth. (laughs) Heaven on earth. And there will be a change in beauty. Some of you like to look at architecture, I'm sure. Uh, Can you imagine the architecture there must be in the New Jerusalem? The beauty there must be. But the greatest thing about it will be that Jesus is there. And so when you think about the beauty of the the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, it'll be a great time. Some of you enjoy going up to the mountains. You enjoy seeing nature. It will be beauty unlike we have ever experienced it when we get to heaven. This new Jerusalem will be like a bride prepared for her husband. Now, I don't know about you. I've not seen many brides 
come down the altar with messy hair and spinach between their teeth. I don't know about you. Have you ever seen that? Usually what they do is they go and they spend all of this time getting ready, making sure every hair is in place, making sure that those teeth are white. You know, they're probably using the crest whitening strips, you know, and, and trying to make sure everything's right. Um, somebody said that they take off the, the, the nails and the, and the hair and, and all the other stuff on after, after the wedding's over. But I don't know. But, but they get everything exactly right so that when they come down that aisle, people go, ooh, wow, ooh. That's the idea here. He says when that heavenly Jerusalem comes down out of heaven from God, it will be like a bride beautifully prepared for her husband. Jesus will have taken the greatest care in preparing that place for us. It will be beauty unlike we've never seen before. And all we'll be able to do is stand there with our mouths open as we see this glorious city coming down out of heaven from God for us the people of God. And we will live in this new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem forever and ever and ever. There will be a change in beauty. So there will be a change of location, a change of morality, a change of beauty, and then there will be a change in relationship. I love this one. Look at verse 3. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This, these words are not new. These words weren't new when John penned them. You'll find them in multiple places throughout the Old Testament. God's desire has always been to have relationship with his people. You remember what the Bible says in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve would walk with God in the cool of the day. They would experience that close fellowship with God that unhindered by sin, that joyful relationship with God. But then something happened, sin into the picture. Adam and Eve were thrust out of the garden. And an angel guarded the way to the tree of life. Never again could they experience what they had experienced before in the same way. Man had been separated from God by sin. Then God sent Moses to deliver the people of Israel, and at Mount Sinai gave him a covenant and showed in the tabernacle system the, the, the veils that were there, the veil to the courtyard, the veil to the tabernacle, and then the veil to the Holy of Holies, 
All of these things symbolized the separation there was between man and God. And as the Israelites came into the courtyard and presented their sacrifice and confessed their sin, that sacrifice would be sacrificed upon that altar as a substitute for the worshiper so that that worshiper could be forgiven for sin and that God could dwell among the people. But it was dwelling in a limited way. And then... Many hundreds of years later, the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. The Word used for dwelt among us in John chapter 1 is the same word that was used in the Old Testament, Greek translation of the Old Testament for tabernacle. The Word tabernacled among us, God dwelling with us. And Jesus eventually went to a cross. And he paid a price. So wrath of God was poured out upon him. And listen to these words very carefully. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's he saying? As our sin was placed upon him, Jesus understood what Adam and Eve experienced. His fellowship that he'd had in eternity past with the Father was broken on the cross. Jesus experienced relational separation from his Father. My God! My God! Why have you forsaken me? And Jesus on the cross was alone for the first time in eternity. He was separated for the first time in eternity. And you know what the Bible says when Jesus said it is finished? The temple veil was ripped in two from top to bottom. And God said, son, daughter, no longer is the way barred between man and God. But each one of you can have fellowship with me because my son paid the price and was separated in your place. So you and I who have placed our faith in Christ know the forgiveness of sin, know a relationship with God. But can I tell you something? The Bible says we see through a glass darkly. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly. And we do. As we walk with the Spirit, we have an abundant life. But we don't know the fullness of it yet because we still have an old sin nature. We live between two worlds. We live in this old, evil age, but we're also citizens of heaven. But one day, one day there'll be a change of relationship. And the very best day you've ever had in your walk with God cannot even be compared. This is what Paul said 
who was stoned, beaten, put in prison, left for dead. This is what he said. Our light and momentary sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory that we'll have when Jesus comes. There'll be a change of relationship. And we will never again have the hindrance of sin in our walk with God. The Bible says we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. You and I can't look on God right now upon his face or we would die. But then we'll see his face. Have you ever had a really sweet time with God? A time where it seemed that heaven came down and the earth kind of stood still. A time where problems became small. Where your your own concerns were forgotten as you enjoy His presence. You haven't seen anything yet. (laughs) it's going to be amazing. There will be a change in relationship. There will be a change of location, a change of morality, a change of beauty, a change in relationship, and there will be a change in joy. We talked about Philippians chapter 4 a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night. and um, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And as we walk in the fullness of the Spirit, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Uh, Peter said, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. But you haven't seen anything yet. The sorrows, the grief, the pain, the struggle of this life will one day be over. We'll say goodbye to all the heartache, all the grief, all the pain. Listen to these words. It's such a a beautiful picture of what God will do. Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will exist no longer. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things, the former things, have passed away. The effects of sin have been completely removed. The effects of the curse have been completely removed. Now God's people can experience joy to the max. What is that going to be like? I don't, I don't even know if I can adequately describe that or understand it, but it is going to be amazing. You've seen a, a child's eyes light up with joy on Christmas morning? Have you seen somebody full of joy when something unexpectedly good happens? Maybe the joy of falling in love can't compare. 
we will have unhindered joy like we can't even fathom. Because God's good. The great change. There will be a change in location, a change in morality, a change in beauty, a change in relationship, and a change in joy. Let me ask you something. Do you know Jesus Christ? Has there ever been a time in your life where you have admitted that you're a sinner? Made a choice to turn from your sin and in faith to follow Jesus. And made a choice to receive the gift of eternal life that he purchased for you on the cross. It's a choice you must make. Jesus has purchased it for you. But you must take it from him if you're to enjoy the benefit. This change can be for you if you'll make that choice. However, if you refuse to make that choice or if you put off that choice and you go out into eternity without Christ, something else will take place. Look with me, if you will, to the latter part of chapter 20. I'm not going to preach on this, but I want to read this to you. Chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and the one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by what is written in the books. Then the sea gave up its dead, and death and hell gave up their dead. All were judged according to their works. Death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The Bible says for those who are not a part of that first resurrection, who are part of the second resurrection, it will be a judgment for those who are lost. And those who are lost are not judged based on the blood of Christ and based on rewards that God gives to his people like we are. But they will be judged based on their sin. The books will be open. There will be no argument. Every sin ever committed will be related. And the words, depart from me, I never knew you, will be spoken. That's the alternative. That's not what God wants. God sent his son so you wouldn't have to experience that. God wants your name to be in the book of life. He wants you to be a part of the great change. He wants you to know the joys of heaven the joys of all the wonderful things he has prepared for his people, but you must make the choice. Will you make it? This morning. Today is the day of salvation. Child of God, are you placing your hope in Jesus? Listen, I want to tell you something. I believe every Christian ought to vote. I believe we ought to be responsible citizens. I'm going to tell you something. My hope doesn't rest in who's in the White House or who's in the Congress. My hope rests in Jesus. My hope's not in a bank account. 
in a job, in a relationship, my hope is in Jesus Christ. Have you gotten your eyes off the ball? Have you forgotten your hope this morning? Going through a tough time, Christian, put your eyes back on Jesus, on the promises of God. He cannot fail to come through for you. Rest in the knowledge that your future will definitely be better than now. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your precious word that reveals to us what things are going to be like. Thank you for these who have gathered here this morning, Lord, and I know it's not by accident that we're here. Father, for every child of God, I pray that hope will arise in their hearts, God, that the joy of knowing what's going to happen when we enter that eternal time of blessing with you. May it lift our hearts. May it increase our faith, Lord. May it make us dogged and determined to serve you and make a difference in this culture. Father, may it cause our hearts to overflow with love and thankfulness to you. And Father, for those that don't know Christ, help them to make the choice they need to make this morning by faith. And I pray this in Jesus' name.